All right, it's November 20th, which means it's time for the Daily Spinner Rack. I'm Dan, regular host of the Comic Book Pit podcast, here to talk about a random comic book. Today's pick for my collection is Aquaman number 60, published by DC Comics, March 1978, with a cover price of 35 cents. The cover artist for this is the great Jim Aparo, and this issue was written by David Michelini, penciled by Don Newton, inked by John Silardo, colored by Jerry Serpy, lettered by Milt Snappin, and edited by Paul Levitz. And the title of this issue is Scavenger, Ravager, Plunderer, Thief. When the issue opens, Aquaman is in hot pursuit of the Scavenger, an undersea pirate who has looted the cargo hold of the sunken ship Bellerophon. Seeing Aquaman's approach, the Scavenger ramps up his scorpion-shaped submersible into high gear. Aquaman then telepathically directs an armada of barnacles to cling to the hull of, of the Scavenger's ship. Scavenger doesn't think much of it at first, but then the added weight disrupts the thrust of the ship, forcing the Scavenger's vessel down to the seafloor. The Scavenger electrifies the hull of his ship, removing the barnacles. The delay, however, gave Aquaman time to catch up. The Sea King crashes through the hull and engages in in fisticuffs. He's thrown down. Further away, aware that his operative, a, a guy just called the Fisherman, aware that the, the Fisherman has failed to secure the Bellerophon's cargo, Cobra, well actually we don't see that it's Cobra at first, we we just see that it's it's someone cloaked in shadow, but it looks like Cobra from the back. Cobra readies his personal craft, intent on retrieving the cargo himself from uh, the Scavenger. On board the Scavenger's vessel, Aquaman pretty much has gained the upper hand. The Scavenger activates a device on his ship that creates huge pockets of evaporated seawater in the ocean. He mo- uh, the Scavenger moment- momentarily forgets that his vessel cannot maneuver through the air pockets, and he instantly crashes to the ocean bottom. Although Aquaman can breathe air as easily as water, there happens to be a group of Atlantean farmers jeopardized by the air pockets, and they begin suffocating. Aquaman abandons his fight with the scavenger, rescuing the farmers by pushing them out of the air pocket and back into the ocean. This gives the scavenger time to regain control of the ship, and more importantly, its considerable arsenal. Aquaman is struck down by the scorpion sub's tail and then finds his legs frozen by an ice projector. The scavenger scoops up Aquaman in in the ship's uh, pinchers and proceeds to crush life out of him. Suddenly, the scavenger's ship is just bathed in this red light and the scavenger just vanishes. But Cobra's here, and it's definitely Cobra now. We see it. Cobra transfers the Bellerophon's cargo from the scavenger's hold to his own. And without the scavenger at the ship's controls, Aquaman's actually able to break free from the scorpion ship's uh, pinchers. Before he can completely pull himself loose, Cobra destroys the scavenger's sub. 
the explosion leaves Aquaman a little too stunned to, to go after Cobra as it's rapidly ascending to the surface. As the the air pockets begin to slowly collapse, filling once again with seawater, Aquaman grimly resolves to bring Cobra to justice. That was the first story. There's actually a backup story featuring Mara called The Edge of Nowhere, written by Paul Kupperberg, penciled by Juan Ortiz, inked by Vince Coletta, colored by Jerry Serpy, lettered by Bill Morse, and once again edited by Paul Levitz. Having ended Laron's tyrannical reign over her native water dimension, Mara finds herself peer, uh, peering into the depths of, they just call it the pit. Laron has thrown all scientific devices that might have been used against him into the pit, including a healing machine that Mara needs to save the life of her infant son, Arthur Jr., a.k.a. Aquababy. Mara dives into the pit, and going down into the depths, Mara is startled to see something moving towards her as she nears the bottom. Then a monstrous uh, earth elemental comes out of the inky black depths. Mara barely has time to construct a shield out of hard water before it strikes her. The blow is so powerful it actually sends Mara hurtling back out of the pit, followed by the earth elemental. And following that creature are two more elementals, a fire elemental and a water elemental. The Earth Elemental tries to bury Mera underneath an, uh, an avalanche of, uh, launched from the seafloor, but Mera blocks that with another one of her hard water shields. Mera hurls herself at the Earth Elemental, pushing it back down into the pit, and the other two elementals follow. Uh, Mera is able to bind the Earth Elemental in uh, bands of hard water, and while she's doing that, she spies all the sunken scientific devices and finds the healing machine that she's been after. Distracted by that, she fails to see the fire elemental launch a, a fiery bolt at her. The blast strikes the scientific equipment, causing a max of explosion, which uh, <laughs> in turn vaporizes the elementals. So, not a great idea. Uh, somehow Mara survives. She swims out of the pit, and she's able to return through this portal to Atlantis with the healing machine. Tragically, it's all for nothing as Volko informs her that while she was in her home dimension retrieving the healing machine that her infant son, Arthur Jr., passed away. Now, that being said, for, for you uh, hardcore Aquamaniacs out there, it looks like Arthur Jr., his canonical death actually took place in Adventure Comics number 452. So I think this was just a uh, kind of an in-between-the-panels type of story from uh, featuring Mara, like I said, as a, as a backup to the Aquaman stories. So that's all for Aquaman number 60 and for this episode of the Daily Spinner Rack. Make sure to visit every day for a new review of a random back issue from my collection. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you tomorrow.